welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me. I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, as always, it is Jerry Springer. Hi. Welcome. Welcome again from the bunker. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Zoom I know, I guess, you know, all you guys that I see now are short. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> all I see are your heads. Well, I've you know. always been short. Yeah, me too. <laughs> hey, hey Casey, well, Casey, you and I, we're the big guys. Yeah. We are. We are, Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Although I'm starting to shrink. Oh, that I, happens, yeah. doesn't it? It, it uh, But I mean, but really, when I look at my license, uh, driver's license, and, yeah. you know, what it has on it, you know, it, it had like 10 years ago, it had six feet. And then the last <laughs> one, 5'11". And now I go to the doctor, I'm 5'10". Yeah, maybe it's just, happening. Maybe you're I just d- getting to be a more honest man about your That's life. right. Yeah, you always was like hey. Yeah. Oh, Don't yeah. listen to them, Jerry. <laughs> Donald Trump's president. You can be as tall as you want to be, okay? Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, at least I have... You can be six big- foot four if you want to be. Well, at least I have bigger hands than him. That's right. <laughs> 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 Don't know what. <laughs> oh, just leave <laughs> Just leave it. Anyway, and Casey hey, well, and uh, yeah. Maria, are, are uh, venues uh, the types you guys play in? Well, including outside things like festivals are because here we are on, where are we? Is this June 9th? Is that when we are? Yeah, today's June 9th. Yeah. So we're recording right. it on June 9th. This will come out on uh, June 10th and enter into the archive. Um, are things opening up now, beginning to open up, or are you scheduling any dates or still not? Tell us about that. Uh, I'm still not. I think there are, like, I'm playing a private party next weekend, but okay. to be honest, like, they even, they even, like, took it from my whole band just to me solo because it's, like, they're limiting the, they're capping the amount of people that are there. And then gotcha. all other public gigs have just canceled or um, are still up in the air about it. They're still kind of like tentatively like feeling out maybe soft openings and stuff. I don't know. What about what about you, Casey? Uh, it's been about the same. Um, we So we kind of made the decision as a band, uh, similar to what Maria was talking about. We've been asked about some private gigs and things like that. And there may be some of those happening in July. But we yeah. made the decision as a band that we just are not going to feel comfortable for a minute. And uh, until we feel comfortable doing it, we don't feel like we really need to do it. Um, And so some, some venues are starting to open up and, you know, state by state it changes, which makes it even more complicated, you know, having to deal with, with uh, every state regulation and stuff. So some places are opening up, by and large, all of our gigs have been canceled from the promoters or from the venues uh, yeah. through the middle of July, with a couple of exceptions that we've already said, you know, no, thank you. We're not going to be doing this. And t- truth be told, we're not really sure how how close to touring we will be, you know, yeah. anytime in 2020. I mean, it may be it may be wow. this time next year before we're really back on the road. To, yeah, to I had a, I had a, a tour 
in Europe that was shaping up and for for fall and I mean it's just so so much is so up in the air that we just had to postpone the whole thing and yeah it's been much like everything else you know everyone's just trying to figure out how to deal with the new stuff yeah how it's true everyone's going about it and you know with with a new wave potentially coming which I mean we're already starting to see those numbers now I think Texas today said hospitalizations are up 37%, I think, since Memorial Day um, because of reopening and because of all of, you know, people flaunting close proximity and stuff. So with those things happening, we're, we're trying to be proactive and not booking a bunch of dates just to then have to go cancel again. You know, so it's, it's a, what it, what a, what a quagmire it is of trying to figure this whole thing out because, you know, leadership is pretty scarce. Every state's figuring it out on their own. And then that leaves us as entertainers trying to figure out, <laughs> figure out our business on our own too. You know, it's, it's a, yeah, kind of, kind of murky. It's, it's inevitable as states start to open up and people are out uh, for the very reason that it worked when people were keeping their distance and staying home. Now that they're going out and not keeping their distance, of course the numbers are going to go up. And it, it's right. like, yeah. you know, it, it's just like when the numbers, when people start going out, all of a sudden the employment fi- figures looked a little bit better because obviously some people are going back to work, but yeah. it doesn't reflect what's going on in our society at all. I, I Yeah, I think you probably have to just keep, keeping the distance and not doing mass events as much as that's a lousy thing. But I I don't know what the alternative is. And how do you sit with a mask over your face? (laughs) That's true. That's very true. But yeah, Yeah. you're right. I mean, what is the alternative? Because, you know, I mean, what, there's been 400 and something thousand deaths globally from coronavirus uh, and 110,000 of those are in the United States. So we we don't even hold what a ninth of the world's population less than that. And we have a quarter of the deaths, you know? Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Hey Jerry, we wanted to ask you a question as a former mayor, but let me slip this in here. Uh, tease a couple of things as we say, uh, we're going to ask Jerry in a few minutes to give, he's been giving these great you know, thoughts from home as we've gone through this era. Uh, we're also going to have, we've got Casey Campbell on with us again tonight. He's our music coordinator, part of our production team, Maria Corelli, obviously, as well. And uh, Casey did a song that, Jerry, you and I knew from back in the day uh, as we were part of the civil rights movement of the 1960s. Right. And it's very bizarre, isn't it, that, that the young people drove, and we were part of it, we were a couple of white guys joining a very diverse group of protesters in the 60s uh, fighting exactly. for civil rights and against the Vietnam War and Native American rights, women's rights. There were so many things just sort of bubbling up in the 60s. And by the way, Maria, the youngest member of our production team, I've had as an educator people say to me all through the years, oh, Galvin, I wish I had lived through the 60s with you guys. And it was such a moment in history. And I'm not seeing that now. There are no causes, nothing really. You you get the blood boiling and all that. Well, Jerry, I bet you would agree. And this references a song that Casey's going to do later on as our musical performer, a song called Ain't Gonna Let Nobody Turn Me Around. And it's it's frankly an African-American freedom song. 
from probably the Freedom Rides. I think it was one of those songs yep. they sang in the jail cells in Jackson, Mississippi. Yep. Yep. Uh, but Jerry, isn't it true that what you and I are seeing today as a couple guys in our mid seventies, we're seeing young people protest effectively. It, yeah. There's been some around the edges, some craziness that we don't agree with. And we didn't back then. Sure. Trashing things and breaking into stores and looting yeah. and all that. We, we don't agree with any of that. No responsible protester does, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's exactly the same. This moment in history to me is no different than what I saw in the 1960s. It might be more important because what the hell are we doing in 2020 and we're still having to deal with this? Well, there's something that's even more poetic about what the young people are doing today. In the 60s, when the protests really grew beyond civil rights and into the anti-Vietnam era, the protests became unbelievably large, right? But they were, there was a reason because every single young person was, if you were a guy, you were being drafted or threatened to be drafted, or you had a brother who was being drafted or a father. In other words, people were protesting because all of a sudden white people felt, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to Vietnam. You know, what is this war about? It doesn't make any sense. But this time to see the protests, which are absolutely multicultural, you mm -hmm. see as many Hispanics, Caucasians, men, women, all different ages. It's kind of neat because this is based purely on injustice, not just self-preservation. Yes. And, 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 and there is, it's an extra layer. Obviously, you can see why any African-American would be protesting because they live this every day. But then white people are also joining in a younger generation. And it's like, wow, how cool is that? You're not just doing it because you don't want to go to Vietnam. You're going because you see one of your people your age or any young black American, you're doing it because that is just innately wrong in terms of justice. And that's, that's a good feel. And I think this, that's why this whole movement may have staying power because it isn't based on just personal motivation. It's based on the country we want to be. And as a generation to rise up and say, let this be our future, that's, that's pretty, pretty interesting. That's really and by the way, <clears throat> here we are, here we are June 9th, yesterday, June 8th, which was Sunday, pardon, pardon me, on Sunday, June. a couple of days before the 7th, we, I was driving, uh, my wife and I were driving through downtown Cincinnati. We live in the tri-state area, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, greater Cincinnati area. And there were all these people walking to a place in Cincinnati called Fountain Square where there was another protest. I noticed yesterday, yeah. just watching cable news, we are 14 days in from when uh, George Floyd was killed. Today, they buried him in Houston, Texas. So we're 14, 15 days in, and there are still protests. I saw last night, I watched protests via cable news. Seattle, 
Los An- huge one in Los Angeles, uh, New York City, uh, Brooklyn mm-hmm. specifically. It's 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 has staying power, and that's to your point, Jerry. Jerry, we wanted to ask you a question. We kid around about this occasionally, but it's the honest truth. Jerry Springer was mayor of the city of Cincinnati and and was a city council member for many years. So Jerry was for many years prominent in decision making in a major American city. As a former mayor, and now that we are 14, 15, 16 days in from when this all, you know, was precipitated. Uh, what are your thoughts on what a mayor today faces? Because there's huge pressure. Uh, Minneapolis City Council says, you know, defund the police. The mayor is saying that freaks him out, but there's pressure coming even from elected officials to, if not wipe out a police force, which I frankly think is insane. That's just Gene Gallon yeah. talking. But there's pressure to re- structurally change things what are your thoughts as an as a former mayor well there's there's no question it has the police departments have to be reformed police methods have to be reformed there there's no question about that talking about defunding is as the opening sentence is absurd because you don't know how much reforming is going to cost it may require additional instruction it may re require additional kind of recruiting. Maybe you have to start recruiting more in individual neighborhoods. Maybe that, in other words, you don't start by saying we're going to defund. Obviously, you can't do away with the police department because doing just conceptually, as soon as you start saying we're getting police off the streets, it is an invitation to everybody in every neighborhood who owns a gun to get out and stand in front of his store, stand in front of their home, whatever, and start having vigilante justice. People are going to start shooting other people because if they can't call the police, it, it, that's what's going to happen. That, that, it, it, it just, so you got to stop that absurdity. And it takes away from the real issue is how can we have a proper response and not have black men killed by white police officers. And That's women. the issue you and, and deal with. But you don't mobile. deal, you don't mm-hmm. say the answer is we're going to do away with police departments. I mean, that is crazy. Uh, this country has too many people with guns to suddenly say, okay, everyone's in charge of their own defense. Or we'll have a neighborhood watch group defend us. We'll have them bring their rifles and their pistols. I mean, can you can you picture it? And I'm not going to yeah. pick on particular communities, but just visualize in your mind some of the communities, whether it's in the deep south, whether it's in urban, whether it's suburban, you know enough people right now that'll say, yep, you want me to be in charge of defense of the community? I'm ready. Where do I sign up? Look how afraid we were when in the in the street across from the White House last week when Trump had the troops uh, fire on, uh, on the uh, lawful protesters, fire the um, grenade uh, blasts and the uh, tear gas canisters at the, at the people 
that were protesting, there were some people there with guns that didn't have uniforms. We were told they're part of some government agency, but we don't know which one because they weren't wearing uniforms. Just a bunch of guys there with chest protectors and um, bulletproof vests and uh, guns. And, and is that where we're going? So that is, let's get rid of that. And by the way, politically, if, if the Democrats don't immediately, and they, so far to their credit, Biden and uh, Nancy Pelosi and most of the leadership or the leadership of the Democratic Party has said, that's crazy. Uh, you know, Trump would like nothing more than to be able to say, if you do away with the police departments, it's going to be anarchy. No one will be there to protect you. They're coming to get us, like Tucker Carlson said on his broadcast. Be careful. They, and you know what he meant by they, black people, are coming to get us. That is, that's crazy. So we have to put a thumb on that. That is not part of the, of, of the solution to the problem. We have to figure out how to make police departments better, how to have them uh, better trained in sensitivity and how to deal with people without shooting them how to deal with the issue with racism, all of that. And what it costs, it costs. And that may cost more money than we're spending on um, police protection right now. So that's where the focus has to be, not just simply saying, ah, we'll do away with the police. I mean, that's, that's nuts. Well, that maybe we can seamlessly guide you into your uh, weekly thought. Maybe it relates to this, but uh, as you have watched these protests continue, there have been a few new developments, you know, including yeah. the one you referenced of clearing out the park across from the White House and the photo op, the holding up of the Bible. And uh, and then there's a 75-year-old peace protester. Every Seems yeah. like every city has one. I've known a few in the greater Cincinnati area who yeah. are older Quaker types that have, you know, purists that have been out hey, this Gene, forever. Yes. Look in a mirror. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And, what? These people and, that are over 75 protesting? Well, who yeah. came up with that idea? Yeah, I know, I know. But, so this guy gets uh, knocked to the ground, bleeding from his ears, and then uh, President Donald Trump is promoting this notion that, uh, that he's part of uh, anti-fascist movement. There's no evidence of that. I mean, it, it the beat goes on, as they say. So uh, what observations do you have from this week? Well, I wrote another commentary. And in fact, I, I, just before I start, when we were doing, you know, before the pandemic, and we were for five years doing the podcast from the coffee shop, from right. the, um, I would write down some notes and we would have a conversation about, just like we just had, about what my thoughts might be or your thoughts, et cetera. But now from this forum where we're not actually sitting next to each other, I, I literally write out commentaries as I did when I used to do the news. You so, did, and you did that yeah. on the news in Cincinnati. They right. were shorter probably because yeah. you weren't as, yeah, you are now not as minutes. restricted by time. But yeah, right. you did. They were wonderful. But I would write them out and then they'd be on the prompter. So I was looking at the camera and reading. I'm just trying to explain for those that are watching. You'll see my eyes go down because I'm now reading on these notes 
what I wrote. So it is okay. a written commentary. Just and that's for the Facebook it. Live uh, viewers. And we yeah, have for the person. Yeah, for the person listening, it, it makes no difference. Okay. Okay. Fascism. You throw that word around, and inevitably, all serious discussion about how we can lessen the divisions in our country come to an immediate halt. After all, this isn't the 1930s or 40s. This isn't Mussolini or Hitler. No one is. But living in a democracy, which is always fragile and never automatically secure, we can never be off our guard. We can never be complacent. Because if we, in fact, fall to authoritarian rule, if, in fact, democracy does die, it won't happen because a foreign power invades us. Our country will never be overpowered. It's our democracy that can and will if we fail to be paying attention and vigilant in its defense. You see, fascism arises in tiny steps, one at a time, no single event seemingly enough by itself to rile the nation to mobilize in democracy's behalf. So then, what are these steps that over time ultimately bring dictators into power? Well, first, there's unrest, perhaps caused by economic conditions, perhaps because of widespread corruption, perhaps racial hostilities. And then into this environment comes an egomaniacal character with charismatic qualities, if none other, who seeks to take advantage of this turmoil by mobilizing the resentment fueled by anger and fear into a movement, a movement that will hoist him to political power, turning himself into a cult figure. He achieves this power first by creating the narrative of us versus them. The us being white people to whom the country allegedly belongs, and the them being foreigners, minorities, racial, ethnic, and religious, socialists, even in prior times, communists. They, the thems, they are the enemy. They are the cause of all your misfortune and resentments. We will purify our country. Get rid of them. Just follow me. That is a dictator's mantra. To get to that point, some steps seemingly innocent must come first. Number one, achieve some legitimacy. Become part of the political system. Get elected to something. Then start taking over eliminating or destroying the institutions that protect democracy from within. The press, the courts, the intelligence services, the civil service. Build an emotional attachment, mass rallies, instigate racial hostility, violence, taunt and destroy opponents, create chaos. I'll say it again, create chaos. With society falling apart, the government crumbling, the people will eventually be desperate for order. Where is our strong leader who will restore this order? And of course, he does it by force if necessary, by use of the military, supplemented by a secret military force as needed. This is how virtually every dictator within the last 100 years has come to power. One small step unchallenged at a time. Now we come to Trump. Do any of these steps mirror Trump's ascendancy to power? 
a significant number of white Americans resenting their station in life, many feeling a racial entitlement, saw in Trump a character they enjoyed on television who spoke in simple words in a code that reflected their racial views. They enjoyed his, in a sense, giving the finger to political correctness and willingly, in defiance of logic, joined the cult. With his crowd behind him, he sought and achieved some degree of legitimacy by entering and winning the Republican primaries. The party was now his. Though America voted for Hillary, the Electoral College made him the president. And slowly but surely, he followed the dictatorial playbook, dismantled the government from within, declared the press the enemy of the people, undermined the courts, the civil service, the Congress, and the rule of law, strike fear into anyone who opposes him, ignore the Constitution. Last week, with the nation erupting in virtually every one of our cities from coast to coast, with the White House surrounded by thousands of protesters, Trump cowering in an underground bunker, he resorts once again to a dictator's playbook, calls in the military to fire their tear gas and flashbang grenades, trampling over peaceful protesters, American citizens, who had every constitutional right to be there, forcing church officials, whose church it was, <clears throat> off their own property for the sole purpose of a photo op. He wanted a picture taken of him holding a Bible, which he never opened or read, in front of the church, where moments ago he had turned our own military against law-abiding Americans. What dictator? wouldn't do this. With this outrageous act, even some leading Republican figures, George Bush, Colin Powell, George Will, George Romney, former Secretary of Defense General Mattis, former Chief of Staff General Kelly, and a slew of other military leaders said that this is a bridge too far. He is crippling our country, dividing our people, abusing our military, and constitution, they can no longer support him. Pundits are asking the question that we've been asking for the last three years. With each one of his tweets or actions, is this the tipping point? Is this the thing that finally does Trump in? Only we can answer this question, and we will, one way or the other, in November. Yeah. Nice. Job, Thank Jerry. you, Jerry. Well Thank you. Um, sure. Sure. We're going to switch gears here and bring it on over to uh, um, a man that needs hardly needs an introduction. He Good. Is, Let's not uh, give him one. <laughs> he's well-loved he's well in our community. A musician around the greater Cincinnati oh. folks, um, Casey Campbell is here with us. <laughs> hey, yeah. Casey, uh, so the song that you're going to um, have for us tonight that can you go ahead and, and talk a little more? I know we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, tell us a little more about that. Yeah. 
Sure. Uh, so, uh, as Gene already said, uh, songs called ain't nobody going to turn me round or turn me round. Uh, I learned it, uh, from, uh, the podcast, uh, you know, what was that episode two that we had David Fankhauser on and, um, the, uh, the daughter of, uh, Fred Shuttlesworth and, uh, uh, some other civil rights leaders from Cincinnati. And they came in to talk about their experiences during the second wave of the bus boycotts through the South and the freedom riders and, uh, the experiences that they had, uh, uh, particularly their incarceration in a Mississippi jail for, uh, several days. Uh, it was David Fankhauser was in, uh, for, I believe 49 days. It was over 40 days. Yeah. Yeah. 49. Okay. So yeah, so through his through his talking about his experience, you know, he said um, when they were all incarcerated uh, on you know very bogus charges of of, uh, of peacefully protesting on the buses, and they were all shipped to the to the jails in Mississippi. Uh, they were kept in um, pretty squalid conditions, uh, and they had nothing else to really rely on but each other, and they sang the entire time, and uh, the. I found that to just be incredibly inspirational and, and moving forward through what we're dealing with right now. I think about that often, actually. I think about those talks and David and talking about how the protesters kept, kept their spirits up because, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing some antagonistic uh, behavior from police to the protesters nowadays, but we're talking about 50 days being locked up in jail with, with no sort of legal recourse really. And uh, they kept their spirits high and they kept them, kept their minds kind of focused with song and with music. And so the, this song in particular uh, just really uh, spoke to me. And when uh, we were uh, honored enough to win the Music to Life Prize and uh, began working on a project to, uh, to uh, kind of talk about these social injustices and, and where we lie right now, uh, Crystal Peterson and I wanted to do a, a quick rendition of this song because it really speaks to the, it, it just speaks to the power and the, and the, the emotion of the movement. Um, ain't nobody going to turn me around. I'm going to keep on walking. Ain't no jailhouse going to turn me around. No police brutality, no segregation. You know, you fill in, fill in your, your, your piece there. And uh, it, it was very powerful for, me Casey, uh, if I could jump in real fast, Maria, I know we're going to hear this momentarily. When you hear Casey and Crystal Peterson sing it, it's David Fankhauser, who was one of the Freedom Riders, who came from Ohio and went to Birmingham and then got on a bus. And they, and as Casey was mentioning, they were going into bus stations. And ignoring, if not uh, rebuking, the signage that said colored people wait in this room for right. the next bus and white people wait in this room. And so they would, and, uh, David Fankhauser is Caucasian, and they were mixing up the races, these young college kids, largely college kids and some uh, spiritual leaders as well. So they get thrown in jail. And here's the point about the, these songs is when you hear Casey and Crystal sing it, Picture these men and women, they were in different cell blocks, sitting in cells, all of them looking through bars at a wall across from them, merely a hallway, right? So there would be maybe five, six feet across, and there was a wall and some windows that went out to somewhere. 
So you were in a cell with a cellmate. People like Stokely Carmichael, the radical leader from the 60s, was in one cell. Yeah. Congressman John Lewis was in another cell down the way. And a young John Lewis and hmm. these men in that cell block communicated with each other emotionally and spiritually and sang these songs. So they all sang like a choir. They all sang them together, but they were yeah. not in a big circle. They were in yeah. individual cells looking at a gray wall across from them. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, if yeah. you, if you, yeah. when you picture what that would be like. Yeah. It's the power powerful. of music. The power yeah. of music, Maria. Yeah. I mean, that's. And especially the vocals, you know, like it's, it's voice, you know, it's voices being raised yeah. up and there's, there's no, there's no instrument going on there except for the human instrument. Yeah. So, oh, sorry, that's my dog. Um, <laughs> Wait, uh, is that, you're, you're the one on peaked, the left? He just had in there. <laughs> on the left, yeah. But, you know, that's, you know, that like, uh, the, the, those, those moments make me think a lot of my childhood because of just my upbringing. There was a lot of congregational singing in church. We didn't have, like the, the church that I grew up in, we didn't have instruments. There was no piano oh. or organ or choir. It was all congregational singing. And those can, those can be incredibly powerful moments. And I can only imagine putting myself in a cell block for, you know, a month and a half, uh, staring, like, just as you said, staring at a blank yeah. wall and nothing but the voice of my neighbor to help uplift me, you know? And I mean, that's powerful. It really is. All right. We appreciate that. We appreciate you, you know, continuing, continuing to pass these songs onward and lift them up and lift, you know, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's you. really our, yeah. you know, I think what we are supposed to be doing in this time. Um, so I we're going to, we're going to have David uh, cue the song on up and uh, we're going to listen to it here. Ain't going to let nobody turn me around, turn me around, turn me around. Ain't going to let nobody turn me around. I'm going to keep on walking, keep on talking, marching to freedom land. All right, we're going to do that again. So now everybody knows the song. Ain't going to let nobody turn me around. I'm going to sing, ain't going to let nobody, ain't going to let no school board, ain't going to let no president. All right? Everybody's got a voice. Don't be afraid. Sing okay, out. Okay, I can do it. If Jerry Springer can do it, folks, I think you can. <laughs> mm, ain't going to let nobody turn me around, oh. Talking, marching to freedom land. 
All right, Casey. Um, I have one more question for you, and I think you know what's coming. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I think I, I know that it's it's kind of. Um, I know for me, it's been a little bit uh, tough to be self-promoting in a time like this. But um, I think, like you know, you are very outspoken, and I think you have a lot of wonderful things to say. And um, yeah, so where can people? follow you some more and 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 see the wonderful things that you put out into the world uh well you can find it on all of the usual social media platforms on youtube uh there are a few of us casey campbell's out there but you can you can recognize my big old head and beard uh pretty easy and uh, my website is casey-campbell.com so uh, you can go there. And as I mentioned last week, I'm going to start uh, recording some singles, maybe even uh, a couple like short albums, EPs, things like that. And I'm going to start uh, premiering those on my website uh, with uh, funds going towards some uh, very needed uh, causes right now. Uh, specifically, I'm looking at like the ACLU, uh, uh, the NAACP, things like that, where we can really uh, try to just promote social justice on a national level. I think it's just as you said, Gene, earlier, it's, it, man, it's 2020. Like, damn it. Yeah. Why are we still, Ar yeah, why are we, why still are we talking arguing the same talk, about this? So. Like, it's not even, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Casey. It's, like it's, we love, yeah. we love what you yeah. say. And, hey, thank you guys. And that's yeah. why you're yeah. such a big part of this podcast. Like, you know, you, uh, yeah. Thank very much. Hey, so, by the way, gonna, hey, Maria, Maria, before uh, you get Casey to take us out, well, yeah. one last thing. And I ask this of you, Maria and Casey and Jerry, have you guys had the opportunity to see on Netflix a movie called, it's so timely, it fits everything we've talked about in this episode and everything that's happening in America, frankly, throughout the world. You guys know that these protests are going on oh, all yeah. over the world. There yes. are black people with similar stories living all across the world. But there's a movie out on Netflix, the producers of which put it on Netflix free of charge at during this moment in history, you get a lot of people to see it. Uh, Jamie Foxx is uh, one of the lead actors, and it's called uh, Just Mercy. Have you guys seen it yet? Uh -uh. No, no. Uh, you all got to mark it down. Okay. Just, okay. just like justice, just mercy. It is a true story that took place some years ago. Um, trying to remember the, I can tell you, the, it was in the 80s and 90s. So it's not 2020, but yeah. it's so important and tragic. And it's just another um, sentence in the argument. So anyway, everybody, yeah. everybody okay. listening, and you got to check it out. Mercy. Just mercy. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Maria. No, you're yeah. fine. I think that that's what exactly what um, we need to be doing right now is, is promoting all the, the right rhetoric and, and yeah. educating ourselves as much as we can and, and yeah. So okay. we appreciate well, that. I just Thank thought you. Of, I just thought of a last second thing, and this is it could be totally harebrained, but just listening to both of you guys who play instruments and perform and have such great talent, what if what if we got like a flatbed truck and we put you guys on the truck, and for, let's say, two weeks, you go on your own, nothing booked. You go from town to town, 
at lunchtime, park on a, or whatever, maybe you got to get a permit, or maybe you don't. You just drive up and start singing these kinds of songs about the movement. You always invite maybe one local band to get up there, or folk singer to get up there and join you. In other words, all of a sudden, you don't have to worry about what you would normally worry about at doing a concert and all that you have to go through because it's just going to be you guys getting up on top of this flatbed. So you'd probably need a, um, not an SVP, what am I talking about, a camper or whatever, you know, to go around with it, but then to get up on the flatbed truck mm-hmm. and just, in other words, it would just be uh, um, nothing so prepared, nothing so just yeah. really from the street and singing these songs because because it's not going to some of the smaller towns in America that really probably want to be a part of it. It's just something to think about because your songs have such message. Bring it out to to the people. All these people are showing up at rallies and they're kind of singing their own songs as they march along. But why not? This generation's blowing in the wind. Uh, We shall not be moved. (laughs) We shall overcome. We're not turning around. You know, do yeah. it. Would you? Do uh, it. I'll pay like for the. the idea, g- I'll pay for the gas for the for the flatbed truck. All right, well, maybe you, not the gas. Right, I'll pay right. for the oil. Would you be? Uh, <laughs> would you be willing to join this uh, traveling troupe and be an MC uh, talker as they pull into these towns? Sure. There we go. That'd be great. Yeah. Let's talk about. It. You know, Jerry. I've really thought about this. I've thought about this in context of, you know, speaking up for, uh, you know, our elected officials that are coming up in this in this upcoming election. You know, the ones that really maybe hold some sway, you know, like Amy McGrath or, some, you know, challengers to Mitch McConnell and things like yeah. that. You know, like that's a, yeah. a place for us to, you know, a place for us to spread that message of, pe- you know, people who are listening right now that are really looking for. Uh, for a positive influence of change, you know? So I, I, I applaud that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to get out of anything here. I would certainly go along with you. I think we need to think about whether I should be up there simply because then it becomes, to be honest, uh, Jerry Springer's going around and, you know, bringing some backup musician, you know what I mean? It's, it, it so does, we'll it's not, it's not the yeah. people. It, then it's just some celebrity coming there, and it's no different than anything else. The beauty of what you're doing is it's so authentic. You know, I'll be there. I'll be standing in the crowd if, you know, at some point you right. call me up. But, but I don't want it to be a Jerry Springer tour. No, good because point. That's the, the reporters are going to write about that. You know it. No, it's yeah. a good point. Good point. Yeah. Well, let's chat, yeah, let's chat about it. Good, good idea. Good spot. And I don't want to be uh, overshadowed yeah. by Casey again. I've had it in uh, Cuba. It's <laughs> not going to happen again. <laughs> it will happen. <laughs> Jerry's like, not again. Yeah. Yeah. Let's bring her off there. Where's Casey? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, do our usual of yeah. taking everyone out with down by the riverside. Um, Yeah, got it. Casey Campbell.
my sword and shield Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Listening. Check out our website, jerryspringer.com.